0: It's a blessing to get together and open God's Word, and if you have a copy of God's Word uh, or on your tablet phone, you can turn on your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 7 is where we are going to be, and I read just those few verses that we're going to walk through this morning, and I also just want to just say a quick word from, uh, from these past couple Sundays just over Christmas and even Christmas Eve and today, uh, just getting to meet just, uh, just First time guests and family members and just want to say like we're just so thankful to be able to worship with you and it's been a blessing to get to meet you and uh, if maybe even today happens to be the very first time that you've been here, we're thankful that you're here uh, and excited to open God's word together. It's a blessing. So uh, so as we head to that Old Testament book this morning, um, it's crazy. This is the last Sunday of 2021. Uh, last one of the year, the video almost kind of threw me off a little bit when Megan said, see you next year. I was like, oh, that's true. That video, the next one's going to be next year. And that's wild. And so just a couple days away from a brand new year, 2022, and particularly kind of wrapping up Christmas, Christmas Eve, Christmas day, and in this kind of several day stretch before uh, new year's day or this new year starting, uh, for a lot of people, maybe not everybody, but for a lot of folks, you know, it seems like Christmas is such a busy season, like almost like you're racing, you're racing to the next house, to the next party, to the next, uh, thing and, and go, 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 go. And then Christmas comes. And then for some, not everybody, but for some on the other side of Christmas, it's like almost like a deep breath, like, Wow. That was a wild few weeks. And now we kind of have this week to this new year. And for many, uh, it serves as a time of reflection. And not, you know, not everybody, but for some, you kind of look back over this year and you, you, as you reflect back, you look back, you see kind of highlights and you see maybe low lights, you see uh, surprises along the way, you see, uh, you see struggles along the way, you see victories along the way. And, and it's this time of Reflection. I mean, and we see it in the world all around us. One of my favorite things at the end of the year is when ESPN does their top 10 plays of the year. I uh, watched it last night. And, and so it's looking back in the whole year and it's looking back at those big moments or that, the not so top 10 where it's like the worst moments of the year in sports. But, but if, you're, uh, if you're into movies the box office will kind of share, here were the biggest movies of the year. Or if you're into music, um, whoever does that, Billboard or whoever that is, here's the top songs or top artists of the year. If if you're a blogger or you like to read blogs, then then a lot of times bloggers will put out like, hey, here was the top five posts that were written over the course of this year. It got the most hits or the most Likes, or if you're a podcast listener, uh, if you look back, a lot of podcasters will say, "Hey, here's the biggest podcast of the year, and they look back and they look at all these big moments along and a lot of times you be, "Oh, I want to listen to that A lot of people tuned into that and so it's just this time where we look back and and we we kind of evaluate a little bit about those those big moments that took place over the course of our life. this morning, I brought uh, one of my journals with me and and about probably 12 years ago, maybe 12, 13 years ago, I started consistently journaling. And so uh, over this past year, I, I have a D group that we've been meeting um, almost weekly and, and getting in the word, walking through the word together and memorizing scripture uh, and journaling about what we're learning about God's word. And so in a lot of ways, uh, I brought out my journal even last night and I just flipped back over the year and I was just kind of pinpointing those Times I engaged with the Word and God taught me something that that really was profound, or or even just prayers that I've written to the Lord, or times of struggle I've written about it, and just kind of looking back, and and it almost serves as just this look kind of book of reminder about what God has done personally in my life over this past year. And so I say all of that because the book of Second Chronicles, in a lot of ways, is a journal about God's story and God's work among his people over a pretty big chunk of time. These are historical, actual, factual events that were important for God's people not to forget and to remember. It was important to be able for the generations to come, to be able to go back and read what happened and to learn because God obviously is still teaching us as believers about his work with his people throughout history, and in particular, the Old Testament. And so in 1st and 2nd Chronicles, it was written initially as one book. It's a history book. And in it, you will read a lot of the same things that you'll hear in 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings. And again, it's a testimony. It's like a journal. It's like a photo album. It's like a home video that you throw in and you're, like, you're reminded about these incredible moments where God worked among his people. And so today I just thought it was fitting that that as we walk through this particular text, that we kind of do a little bit of reflection that hopefully will encourage some reflection on in our lives and that God's spirit would challenge us according to his word as we look ahead. And what we're going to see in this text is a life that blesses God. And I think that's important. And I think it's intentional that, 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 that I, we word it that way this morning, because I'm at the top of the list to pray God's blessing. Like we want God's blessing, don't we? We want God to bless those that we love. We want God to bless those we care about, uh, bless you when somebody sneezes, (laughs) you know, like it's, it's just blessing, blessing, blessing. We want God to bless. But, but what I hope that we are encouraged this morning through the word is that, that yes, we pray that. And yes, that that's a good thing. But that this morning we would just flip that on its head just for the next hour or so. And that we would phrase it a different way. And that is this, not God bless me. But God, let my life bless you. And what does that look like? And we're going to see in this passage, God is going to show us a pathway to experience that life that blesses him. And and so for a lot of folks here, um, my hunch is there's a lot of people in this room that love God. And my hunch is there's a lot of people in this room that love people. And my hunch is that there are a lot of people in this room that desire to live a life that blesses the Lord. But if we're all completely honest right now, there would be many of us that would say, um, I need renewal in my heart. I need, I need a time of a word that we've used a lot in our history is revival. I need revival Uh, renewal, spiritual renewal. Uh, I can look back at times along my journey in my life. And maybe it's particularly when I first became a Christian or, or maybe it was a certain season in our lives, but we look back and we can say, man, my heart was like a bonfire for God. Like if anybody got near me, they're going to hear about Jesus. (laughs) Like, like it's just like, there's this fire, but, but maybe if we're honest, we fast forward a little bit and we're like, What was once maybe a bonfire is now what seems to be nothing more than a flicker of a candle. I mean, there's a fire there. There's a spark. But but if we're honest, like life has just gotten so busy and life's gotten so busy. And so because life has gotten so busy, it becomes it becomes challenging to 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 really invest all the time or or devotion that you would want to to the Lord. Or all of us, my hunches, have very good things going on in our lives. But it is so easy to let good things edge out the very best thing in our life. There, my hunch is there are probably folks in the room and maybe listening in online that your life feels like you're a hamster on a wheel. And you're just like going, 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 going. But you feel like you're not getting anywhere. Like you feel a little bit stuck and so what does it look like? What does it look like to just be completely honest about where we are at in our personal relationship with the Lord? And, and what would it look like to be like, you know what? As I'm looking back over this past year, lots of good things, lots of challenging things. But you know what? I, I really do love the Lord and I know he wants more of my heart and I want more of him. So, so, so how do we get there? Because I can oftentimes make things so complicated (laughs) and it doesn't have to be complicated. It's very, very simple. And in this word, we are gonna hear the love and the grace of God loud and clear because these are really real feelings. And so how do we walk through that? So a little heads up, over Christmas, we walk through one of my favorite Old Testament books, the book of Ruth. It is a redemption story whole thing. And, and, and at the very end, we saw Ruth and Boaz had a baby and that baby's name was anybody want to go for it? Obed. All right. I think, I think it was out there. Obed, right? Obed had a, had a son and his name was Jesse. Jesse had a baby and his name was David. Who would grow up to be King David. And King David had a bunch of sons. But one of those sons name was Solomon. And if you follow that line all the way down. Guess who you're going to find come on what we celebrate as Christmas Day. King Jesus. Jesus. There it is. I love it. But in this point of history, 2 Chronicles, King Solomon is on the throne. It's a historical account. Um, the first nine chapters deal with Solomon. Six of those chapters deal specifically with the building of the temple. It was the first temple. King David wanted to build it, but God didn't want him to build it. He wanted his son to build it. And so Solomon built the temple. And he built this temple. And those six chapters of Second Chronicles are all about building the temple. And if you fast forward to the end... It starts with the building of the temple. It ends with the destruction of the temple. And there's a lot of life that happens in those few chapters of history there. But the temple is built and and the Ark of the Covenant is brought into the temple. And the Bible tells us that fire fell down from heaven. What must that have been like? What must that have looked like? The Bible tells us that the Shekinah glory of God, the manifest presence of God, filled that place, and drove people on their faces. The Bible tells us that over a hundred thousand sacrifices were offered up in that place in worship to God. In this specific time, the, 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 the land of Israel, the people of Israel were prospering. There's a unified nation. King Solomon is ruling. Their, their borders are expanding. People are prosperous. Like all kinds of Very good and awesome things are happening. And so this is the context that we're about to read as we go into 2 Chronicles chapter seven. But I wanna read verse 10 right before we hop into verse 11. The Bible says this, 2 Chronicles chapter seven, verse 10. The Bible says, On the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people away to their homes. This is King Solomon joyful and glad of heart for the prosperity that the Lord had granted to David and to Solomon and to the, and to Israel, his people. And so again, this just echoes that reminder, like life is good right now. Life is really, really good. And if you are one to write in your Bible or circle words in your Bible on, on verse 11, right there, I would circle the prosperity that the Lord had granted. Because I think it's important, and Solomon obviously saw this especially early on, but he understood that everything he was and everything he has was a gracious gift from God. This, like It's called like a turtle on a fence post, right? A turtle on a fence post knows one thing. He didn't get there on his own, right? Somebody put him there. And so for King Solomon... He understood it wasn't because of his wisdom and it wasn't because of his strength and it wasn't because of how awesome he was. And it wasn't because of who his daddy was. It was because God in his grace granted him that blessing. And so may we be encouraged. Everything we have, everything we are, are a gracious gift from God. And so in verse 11, the Bible says this, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. And all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Now, it's worth just taking a moment. That's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. And what it is, is it's a testimony of God's faithfulness. It's a testimony of what will happen when one life yields their heart to the leadership of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and submits their lives to God's plan for their life. And when you give God his way in your life, what happens is he gives you the wisdom and he gives you the strength and he gives you the anointing to fulfill and accomplish the plan that he has for your life. And I think that's important for us to, to remember because for Solomon, he had a lot going on, but as he said, yielded to the Lord and sent it to him, he was faithful to com- accomplish what God had for him. To which I would say, if you are here in the room and you are maybe listening in online this morning, be encouraged that God has a plan for your life. Your life. You say my life? Your life. That the Bible teaches us over in Ephesians 2 that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared in advance that you would walk in them. And so so God has this plan and he has this desire for our lives. And when we live yielded to him, he will be faithful to fulfill his purposes through our life. And so I get it. There are times where I like, can I just fast forward to, to, to at least three months from now and get on the other side of this big thing that's coming or like, like we can kind of feel like, like we're wasting time or, or like, is, is anything really happening right now? But the encouragement is, is God is always working. He's always working. Even while we're waiting, God is working. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. God has an incredible plan for your life. And as you live yielded to him, he will be faithful. And that's what we just read a testimony of. The temple is built. The king's palace is built. Everything is good. God is faithful. And I love what Paul says in Ephesians 1.11. He says, he works all things according to the counsel of his will. This was God's will. Verse 12, and then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night. And said to him, so King Solomon sent everybody back home. Things are prosperous. God has accomplished at that time what God had planned for Solomon's life. And so now Solomon is evidently back at the house or the palace or wherever he is. And the Lord appears to him. And this is not the first time the Lord has appeared to him. This is the second time. And if we were to go back and look at that first time, you can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 3. But you will find Solomon loved the Lord. He walked in the ways of the Lord. He honored his daddy and he worshiped God faithfully. And God came to him and he said this. He said, what shall I give you? Now think about that for a second. Let's just say God manifests himself physically to you. And basically says, blank check. What shall I give you? And I'm thinking, like, we could all fill in that blank, couldn't we? <laughs> like, 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 wouldn't it be great to, to like, uh, kids, like, okay, never go to school again? Like, if, if we can do that, that's, that's what I wanna go for. Or, like, wouldn't it be awesome not to have, like, a house mortgage payment? Or, wouldn't it be awesome to finally get a car that runs? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? or to go on a vacation, or like, like there's so many things that we could ask for so many things that would be helpful. But listen to what Solomon told the Lord over in first Kings three, verse seven. He said, Oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant. I love that. He saw himself as a servant. He said, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or how to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this, your great people. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God gives him a blank check, says, What do you ask for? And the king says, I'm your servant. The king says, I don't even know how to walk in and walk out. (laughs) The king says, I feel this incredible weight of responsibility with the people that you have entrusted me. God, I may could fill that blank in with a lot of things. But what I need is wisdom and understanding. And because he asked that, God, if you know the rest of the story, not only did he give him understanding, but he gave him great honor and riches so that no other king had experienced beyond compare. And I love that Solomon was never too big for his britches. Anybody ever tell you that growing up? Like, don't get too big for your britches. Like Solomon, at this point of his life, and we follow the whole story, we're going to see some rocky roads, but at this point, he's not too big for his britches. And so in verse 12, back to 2 Chronicles 7, 2 Chronicles 7, The Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Now, verse 13, there's going to be a shift and God is going to give them a warning. He's going to give them a warning and he's going to warn them about when tough times come. Verse 13, he says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. Here's, he said, to be the response. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will heal their their land, and now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Now, it is possible that 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 verse sounds familiar and it is possible that that, that has maybe been even an outline for you in your personal prayer life. It has no doubt been quoted. It's been prayed. It's been taught as a springboard for national revival. Uh, it's been a theme verse for national day of prayer like like this prayer is a very powerful, powerful prayer. And in the right spirit, it is essential to our lives. But I think it's important to remember the context because God is speaking directly to King Solomon. And he's speaking to Solomon this if then command, and it's specifically for the people of Israel. This land of Israel, God is laying out conditions for national forgiveness for sin for their nation. Now, y'all knew this, and I didn't have to convince you, but I am not an Israelite, <laughs> I'm not an Israeli. Um, the closest i 've ever been to Israel is getting to go visit, uh, and my father in law is a messianic jew he 's the only Christian in his family uh, gave his heart to jesus, and so that 's as close to Israel and the Jewish people that I have been and so I think it 's important that that we understand that 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 we 're perhaps Mississippians, or if you're from out of town, you know, uh, we don't necessarily lay our head down in Israel and, and America is not Israel and God isn't American. And we, we know this, but, but if we listen very, very close, the old Testament passage is going to teach us warnings and principles and encouragements that if we live by, we will no doubt bless God. So we can apply this to our life. Because the New Testament tells us we are the people of God. Peter said in 1 Peter 2.10, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The Old Testament is amazing. I love the Old Testament. Paul loved the Old Testament. Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, and 12... He says, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. And history is a great teacher. And evidently those kind of post-exile Jews needed Second Chronicles. And they needed this journal. They needed this photo album. They needed this reminder about God's faithfulness to his people and how God has instructed his people throughout the ages. And when we see these kind of three practical areas of our life and when lived out, there is no doubt it will be a life that blesses the Lord. And so I ask this question before we continue on, and that is this, do you need renewal in your relationship with the Lord? Do you need revival in your personal relationship with the Lord? What was once maybe a bonfire of affection for the Lord has now all of a sudden, it, it looks more like a spark than it does. A bonfire? Do you feel stuck and want to get unstuck in your personal relationship with the Lord? Do you want to move forward in these good works that God prepared in advance that you would walk in? And if you check off yes on any of those, God's word is going to give us a pathway on what that looks like. Verse 14 If my people who are called by my name humble themselves. There will be no renewal. There will be no revival if there is no humility. Humility. Oftentimes we, we, we become familiar with words because we learn what it's not, like the complete opposite. The complete opposite of humility would be, anybody want to go for it? Starts with a P and rhymes with Tide. Pride. All right, they're, they're, they, are, they, are, they are as far uh, separated as, as, as two... A description could possibly be the Bible says in James 4 6 the Bible says that God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble and it starts off by saying he gives more grace I love that there's an unlimited a limitless amount of grace for God's people he opposes the proud he gives grace to the humble pride says I got this humility says God you've got this Pride is rooted in insecurity with this proof that I have to prove who I am. Humility rests in security and rests in who God says I am. Pride is resistant. Humility is responsive. Pride says me first. Humility says him first. Pride is when we think that we are the center of the universe and God revolves everything around us. And humility is when God is the center of our universe and we revolve around him. Pride is how we war with God. Humility is how we worship God. Pride is about getting. Humility is about giving. Pride lives for self-glory. Humility lives for God's glory. Humility is what helps us have a right view of ourselves. And I love what a gentleman by the name of Thomas Turant said. He says this, What is the right view of ourselves? Specifics will vary from person to person, but certain things are common to us all. We are all God's creatures, small, finite, dependent, limited in intelligence and ability, prone to sin and soon to die and face God's judgment. Hebrews nine twenty seven. But we are also God's children. Created, loved and redeemed by God's grace alone, not by anything in and of ourselves and gifted by God with certain unique gifts, abilities, resources, advantages, which are to be used for his glory. As Paul reminds the Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Frequently reminding ourselves of these things is important. Humility is this posture. That says everything I am and everything I have belongs to you. That if we want renewal, we want revival. It begins with humility, humility, and it fuels our hunger for God. Look at verse 14 again. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. What does a life look like? The blesses God. It's a humble life, but it's also a hungry life. Hungry life. We know what? hunger is. You might be hungry right now, right? You're ready to eat. You're ready to eat. And so what happens when we're hungry is we look for something that satisfies that hunger. And if we're hungry enough, we will chase after things that we know that are not good for us, but we know it may fill us even for a little bit. So as long as we can go after that thing, that might not be very good for us, but will fill us for a little bit. We know it won't satisfy our longings, our deepest longings, but it may satisfy us for a moment. And what can happen is our lives can start chasing after things to satisfy us. Here's what is true of mankind is that our soul hungers. We may not be able to articulate it in specifically, you know, even kind of growing up and, and kind of how to articulate that as a kid, but we all have longings, hungers. And so we think that a relationship will satisfy us. We think that a certain dollar amount will satisfy us. We think that a certain size home will satisfy us. We think that a certain job title will satisfy us. We think that a certain degree will satisfy us. We think that, depending on maybe something you opened yesterday and you got it and you were thinking it was going to satisfy you, but like three hours later, you were taking a nap, right? And it's it's not as big of a deal as it was at 5 a.m. or whenever you woke up yesterday morning. I mean, you may have gotten those warmy slippers for Christmas and you may have thrown those bad boys in the microwave and you may have put them on. You're like, wow, this is amazing. But they lost their heat after a little while and it's going to wear out. And Jesus told us as much He told us in John chapter six, verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He's speaking of our spiritual hunger. It goes way deeper than physical. Jesus said in Matthew six, his sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I love this because they shall be satisfied. So if we're wondering what's going to scratch that itch, what is going to be the thing that satisfies, but doesn't leave us wanting and needing more, there is one answer. It is a relationship with Jesus. And so if we want to live a life that blesses God, it is a life of humility. If we want to live a life that blesses God, it is a life of hunger, hunger for him. That's appropriated through praying, spending time in communion with the father It's spending time seeking his face, reading his word, resting in his presence, leaning into what he says louder than what anybody else says. And lastly, or thirdly, we see in verse 14, if my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, it's a humble life, and pray and seek my face, it's a hungry life, and turn from their wicked ways, a holy life. Holy life. I'm just going to be honest. I don't have, I, I, I don't know. I can't live a holy life. A holy life means there's no blemish. A holy life means there's perfection. A holy life means that I never, ever mess up. And so it's possible even as a believer to read that and we just kind of feel like, well, well, out of the gate, I just don't even have a chance. You know, this holy life. But listen, holy life is to, be separate is to have a separate life. Holiness is this picture of repenting and turning from sin, confessing sin. The fact that God has saved us to make us holy. He gifts us his righteousness. What a blessing from God. Listen to what Ephesians 1, 3, and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. And I love that when the Bible says, My righteousness is filthy rags, the Bible says that in Christ, He has gifted us His righteousness clothed in his righteousness alone. That's the only way to stand and bow before a holy God is to rest in his righteousness. And we are gifted that as a believer. But practically as believers, we long to live lives that bless God. We long to live lives that bring honor to him. And so we do confess those things in our lives that hinder us and turn from those things. Oswald Chambers says this. He says, God has only one intended destiny for mankind, holiness. His only goal is to produce saints. God is not some eternal blessing machine for people to use. And he did not come to save us out of pity. He came to save us because he created us to be holy. And so what a great time, what a great time to, to, in this kind of like, at least for some might be a little bit of a catch your breath, That it might be, I love God. I do love people. I want to live for him. I once was a bonfire. I'm a flicker now. I need renewal. I need revival. I'm not even 100% sure what it looks like. My life feels so complicated right now. I don't even know what foot to put in front of the next. And so may I encourage us all from this passage. That's this. If you want renewal, begin with humility. If you want renewal, Begin with hungering and thirsting for God through prayer and through surrendering your heart and your mind to his word. Do you want to be renewed? Do you want to experience revival? Then by God's grace, pursue holiness. Holiness. Desiring to honor him with our lives. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14 and 15, The Bible says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And can I just say, if you read the rest of 2 Chronicles or you follow the rest about the history of Israel, I mentioned 2 Chronicles begins with a temple being built. It ends with a temple being destroyed. And they turn their hearts And they turned their minds. And there was no humility. There was pride. And there was absolutely hunger. But it was not hunger after God. It was hunger after self. There was no separation. You began not even to notice that there were differences between them and pagan nations. But God says, if my people, if my people, if my people will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. So let's let's not make it complicated. I'm a simple-minded person. And a lot of times I try to make things way more difficult, but it's as simple as this, this pathway for renewal Humility, hunger, and holiness. And if you if we just begin our day with a posture of Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen, then we will experience and live a life that blesses God, and that life will absolutely be blessed by God. And that as the body of Christ, as we collectively pray and live this out, we will see revival and renewal in a way that perhaps we may have never seen before in our lives. And so, for the believer, what a great roadmap for revival! What a great roadmap for renewal! And the only thing that's keeping us from that revival is our will to yield or to pursue our own way. And I would also encourage on a practical standpoint, I don't know, I grew up, my sister wrote in a diary and I tried to get it from her and I tried to read it and all that. And and that was my experience with diaries or journals. But I can just say as a believer, just that discipline of grabbing a journal and opening your word and engaging with the word and seeing what God wants to teach, and to write that down, and then to write prayers out to the Lord, or even as you look back the year, writing, making notes of those moments when God really taught you something amazing, or how God helped you along, and what happens is this, last night I flipped open a journal from 2006, and read my first mission trip that I went on to the Dominican Republic, and it was so fun to sit back, and read myself writing about my first mission trip. And I read and I could hear in my writing. My passion that those people would know Jesus. And what happened is it, it, it encourages. And, and I think much like the book of 2 Chronicles is designed for God's people. It's to stir that affection for the Lord. Just to be reminded of God's faithfulness. And God's grace. And God's love. And God's care. And so it might even be that you know what? Maybe I've never really been a journaler. Maybe I've never really jumped out there, but I encourage you as a believer to grab your Bible and to grab a journal and to grab a pen or a pencil and engage with the word and let it be a photo album or a journal to remind you of God's grace over the years, over the years. And then the last thing I would say as I'm wrapping up is simply this. Every single person has a soul hunger. Every single person. We look at our lives, we can see it. It's when we desire those things in our lives and when we go after those things, thinking they will bring that satisfaction, but but it's like chasing the wind. Anything other than Jesus that you seek to satisfy you always leaves you wanting more. And it is, it's like chasing the wind. Have you ever seen anybody chase the wind? It looks silly. It looks silly. Because you can't catch it. You can't catch it. Um, but Jesus has said, whoever, whoever has relationship with me, I'm the bread of life. You will never be hungry again. Think about that to a hungry soul. You'll never be hungry again. You'll never be thirsty. you never thirst for things this world promises deliver but can't. But satisfaction only comes through a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And Jesus tells us in His Word what that looks like. It's simply to acknowledge you need Him. That takes humility. To acknowledge your sin and to acknowledge your need for a Savior. That takes humility. It also requires repentance. It's what the Bible teaches. Repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of direction. It's you're going this way and you stop and you turn and you go this way. And you turn from self and sin and you turn to King Jesus to rule as Lord of your life. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The promise. And to which I would just say in relation to the text we've read this morning, and your soul will be forever satisfied. forever, forever. So let's pray together, and um, as we move in time, just a, we're going to play one more song, and it's really just a time of reflection, but, but I would just encourage you to think like, how does the Holy Spirit desire to take this word and apply it to your life, and that by God's grace that we would strive to live a life? not that says, God bless me, not even that says, God bless you, Though we want people to bless, to be blessed. What what does it look like for my life to bless him, to live for his glory? Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for your amazing grace. And God, thank you so much for this Christmas season. God, just this time where... um, it's just kind of fresh. We're, we're reminded of the, the incredible uh, love and care that you showed in pursuing us through the manger and the fact that you were born in a manger to die on a cross to give life and life to the full. So Father, in reflection of this passage today, may we be, may we be receptive And God, for the believer whose relationship with you could be described as a flicker, God would be, all of us, once again, be reminded and overwhelmed by your grace and your love and your care that you so loved the world that you gave. So may may you find us even going into this new year with a commitment by your grace to live humble lives, that we would hunger after you because Only through hungering and thirsting for you will we be satisfied. And God, that by your grace and your grace alone, may we turn from things that hinder our relationship with you and bring glory to you. Because as believers, we desire to live a life that blesses you. God, let us not get over your amazing grace toward us us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And God, if there's anybody here who does not have a relationship with you, that today would be the day of salvation. God, through your word, through your gospel, through the work of your spirit, you are pursuing those who are far from you to bring them in, overwhelm them with your grace cleanse them of their sin, gift them your righteousness and to live a life of satisfaction for your glory, for your mission. So God, we love you and we praise you. And it's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to have pastors here down front. If we can pray over you or encourage you in any way, um, but just encourage you to spend some time reflecting on what is God calling you to in this brand new year and that he would be honored and that he would be glorified. Let's stand and worship the Lord.